Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, my name is Ethan. If we haven't had a chance to meet, I'd love to meet you in the lobby after. And uh, we're going to have fun today. Does that sound good? Uh, my kids, yeah, a couple of you guys, oh, we got some props. It's going to be great. I'm like carrot top up here. <laughs> Listen, my kids have this ability, yours probably do too, to, to find an ordinary object and to make it something really, really cool. Their, their imagination's really fun to watch. And my boys will see this stick. You know, and it's a sword. It's a lightsaber or a pirate sword or maybe a machine gun. I don't know. Whatever they're thinking that day. Um, they'll see, um, let's see what else I have in here. Oh, yeah, this is good. They see this, pillow and blanket. And uh, I see a Sunday afternoon nap. Am I right? They see a fort, right? They see the building blocks of a good fort. Um, I see a piece of trash, okay? What do they see? Basketball. And what do you say every time you throw a basketball into the trash bin? Kobe. Kobe. Look at that. You got to say, thank you. You got to say Kobe or it doesn't count. Now, my kids see rocks. And my daughter, who's four, would probably say these are grapes or food for her baby. And my boys are like, these are grenades that I can throw Now, the cool thing about rocks, though, is uh, I'm a grown man, or at least I look like one, and uh, try to act like one. When I see a cool rock, I'm like, that's a cool rock. (laughs) Especially like a good skipper, you know what I'm saying? Like a nice, smooth, flat, like one you could get three or four skips out of. My point in all this is we're in a series called Extraordinary, where we're looking at some pretty ordinary people. We're looking at some pretty ordinary things, and we're also looking at how God uses his power through those really ordinary things. But before we get to to all that, I have a question, and uh, I hope you're sitting down because this is a doozy of a question, and this is the question. What idol do you serve? What idol do you serve? What idol do you worship? What idol are you bowing down to? Now, maybe you're thinking, whoa, 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 whoa there, buddy. I'm at church. I'm a Christian. Isn't it obvious? If you're anything like me, when you think of the word idol, you think of that little gold statue from Indiana Jones. Or you think about the Buddha that's in your neighbor's backyard, a little Buddha statue that's in their garden. That's what you think about when you think about an idol, but in reality, an idol can be much more than just a golden statue. An idol can be any good thing, any good thing that we make a God thing, any good thing that we make a God thing. I've wrote, I've wrote down a couple things uh, that, that are good things, but we have a tendency to make them God things. My career, my title, my paycheck, my possessions, my pleasures, my health. Entertainment, success, religion, my spouse, a politician, those things, while not necessarily bad, 
make terrible gods. They make terrible gods. Anything that you give your time and talents, attention and thoughts and finances have the ability to become an idol. Now, if I asked you, hey, after church today, you should go home and watch this three and a half hour long movie. You'd probably be like, yeah, maybe. That's a, that's a, pretty, long, that's a pretty long movie. Now, if I said, hey, after church, let's go on a three and a half hour walk. You're like, that's kind of, nah, that's kind of weird. I don't know if I want to go on a walk that long with you. If I said, hey, I need to go to the airport after church. Can you drive me? But it's, it's the airport uh, in Myrtle Beach, so it's going to take us a couple hours to get there. What are you saying? Sorry, friend. I got the fort out. I got the pillow and the blanket out. I'm taking a nap. But according to, to what I read on the internet, the average person spends three and a half hours on their phone every single day. Now, I promise you, this is not a guilt trip trying to to get you to get rid of your phone or your possessions and become a monk. I I don't want to guilt trip you today. I promise I'm not going to convince you to sell all your stuff. My point in all this is, have you assessed? Have you self-assessed where you spend your time and your money and your thoughts and your attention? Have you self-assessed where that's going. Who gets that? Who gets that? So what idol do you serve? What idol do you worship? Because we all have one. We all have one that we serve, right? It, it, it's kind of this nagging thing that's, that's always, always there. You either have or you do or you will be confronted with the fact that you have made a good thing a God thing. And that can be dangerous. Adrian Rogers says it this way, anything you love more, fear more, serve more, or value more than God is your idol. I've also heard it this way, show me where you spend your money, energy, and I'll show you who you worship. That's crazy. It's crazy to me. And it's actually, it's it's larger than just a Jesus thing. It's larger than just a Jesus or a church thing. So if, if you're not a Jesus follower, first off, like Damien said, we are thrilled that you're here. We want today to be encouraging to everyone in this room. And so if you're still kicking the tires of Christianity, I still think that this is incredibly relevant to your life. This is, a, this is not a Christian thing. It's a human thing. It's a human problem. You see, I've got more, I've got more stuff in the box. Oh, actually, I forgot about the whole box itself. My kids turned this into a spaceship, which is kind of cool. But I've got more stuff in here. I've got a crown. Now, here's the problem with this crown. It's broken. Not for a purpose of uh, the analogy, which I'm sure it could be. Um, My daughter plays pretty hard. She goes hard in the paint sometimes. She's got two older brothers. Here's the problem with idols. Regardless if you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, if you don't believe in God, if you think the Bible is fake, if you think this is all just a show, whatever you think about all of this, this is still so important to you because we all have this. We all have a crown that we give to someone or something. Here, wear this. My job, here, wear this. You're my idol. My possessions, here, wear this. You're my idol. And, and whoever is wearing this gets our time, gets our finances, gets our attention, gets our energy, 
because they're wearing this. We all have a crown that we give someone. See, I believe that you were created, I was created by God. We were created with a purpose and for a reason, and we were created in a very specific way. In a very specific way, giving that crown to someone or something. And the person or the thing that we give that crown to can change our lives for the good and definitely can change our lives for the bad. This is why this is so dangerous. And this, once again, is important if you're a Jesus follower or not. Tim Keller says this, The human heart is an idol factory that takes good things like successful career, love, material possessions, even family, and turns them into ultimate things. He continues and says, Our hearts defy them as the center of our lives because we think, here it is, that they can give us significance and security, safety and fulfillment if we attain them. Here, let me give something that's not ultimate, ultimate authority over my life. And then what happens? They let us down, right? That person that we gave the crown to lets us down because they're human. The person we voted for, that we thought were going to change everything, they let us down because they're human. The thing, like the bank account or the job, well, it's empty now because it's not an ultimate thing. We were created with a specific authority level. And when we give the crown to something that that it doesn't belong to, things get messed up. Now, the good news for us is this is not a new thing. This has been happening for years and years and years. People have been finding a place for that crown as long as humans have existed. We see in the Old Testament, we see physical idols throughout the Old Testament. And we see it with a man that we're studying in this series. There's two men, actually, Elijah and Elisha. But today we're talking about Elijah. So a bit of backstory a bit of backstory uh, before I, I get into the, to the verses. The people of Israel had once worshipped God, but had turned away and started worshipping Baal, who was, they believed, was the god of fertility and the god of weather, right? How cool is that? He specialized, he had a specialty, he, he, uh, he majored in college in rainstorms. So Baal was a weather god, fertility god, but he, his, you know, his shtick was like, rainstorms, right? So what did God do? God did the coolest thing that he could have done. He brought on a drought, all right? So no rain. Where's Baal? We don't know. So there was a drought in the land for over three years. There was a drought. And last week, uh, Gerald talked about how God used these ravens who, who usually take, 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 and, and they're like scavengers to provide food and nourishment for Elijah. So this week, with no rain, over three years, God sent word to Elijah. He said this, go to King Ahab and tell him, I'm ready to send some rain, but only, only when I say so. So there was no rain for three years, and then he sent word to Elijah, go. So Elijah found a man, Obadiah, who was King Ahab's servant. You still tracking with me? 
Elijah told Obadiah that he wanted to speak to his master, King Ahab. And this is where we pick up in Scripture. It says this. When he, who was King Ahab, saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, troubler of Israel? 18 says, I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed Baals. You've given your crown to someone else. Verse 19 says, now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel. What that means is we about to scrap. You know what I'm saying? We fit in the scrap on the mountaintop. Verse 20 says this, So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said this, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. Don't flip-flop. Choose who you are going to serve and serve. Verse 22 says, Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left. But Baal has 450 prophets. And this is what happens. He says, get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. They're going to start this little contest. Let's see whose God responds to our, our altar. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted, but there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, I love this, this is so fun. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. He began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a God. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy or traveling. I love this. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. Must be awakened. uh, So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom until their blood flowed. And it continues. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until time for the evening sacrifice, but there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones. He takes something as simple. Oh, this is, this is a heavy stone. Got to be careful with it. He took something as simple as a stone, 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, your name shall be Israel. Now, before we continue, I've always wanted to do this. And today I get a chance to do this. Um, This is my Oprah moment. Okay. Look under your seat. I'm serious. Look under your seat and you will find a stone. Is that cool? It's not a car, it's just a rock, I'm sorry. (laughs) You get a stone, and you get a stone, and you get a stone. (laughs) That's awesome. With the stones, it says, with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. 
and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seeds of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. I don't think Elijah knew much about starting fires because the first step is not wet the wood. <laughs> they poured it on the, fire, or on, the, on the wood three times. Then the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so that people will know. Let me build an altar with ordinary things and let your power, God, let you be the hero through these ordinary things, through these ordinary things, so that people will know that you, Lord, are God. That you are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Ordinary man, Elijah, ordinary things, so that people may know, God, use your power Verse 38 says this, Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all people saw this, they fell and cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And then a few verses later, it says this, Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose and a heavy rain started falling. You see, God uses Elijah, who was simply an ordinary man. God used a chopped up bowl, which was just brisket, really. That was for my buddy Phil. A little joke right there, buddy. He used wet wood, which really doesn't help, but he used ordinary wet wood, and he used some rocks. God uses the ordinary to display his power and his faithfulness to his people. He uses the ordinary to display his power and his faithfulness to his people. It was Elijah's ordinary, but God made it extraordinary. I want you to know that you are not disqualified from, from being shown God's love because you're ordinary. Quite the opposite, actually. He specializes in using the ordinary, the gospel. Jesus coming to earth to live and to die and to rise again was so that we, the ordinary, may have a relationship with the extraordinary, that we may have a connection so that we don't have to work extra hard to not be ordinary. Let me work extra hard at this, this, and this so that God sees me. He sees that I'm great. He sees that I'm awesome. He sees that I'm not just one of these ordinary people. No, no, no. He sent Jesus because we're all ordinary, and that's what's great about it. That is what's great about it. Through God's Extraordinary power, Elijah 
experiences his love, but he also helps show these people who God was and who he wasn't. Who God is and who is not God. So there's two parts of this that I want us to understand today. There's two parts. The first part is this. I want us to understand and and know for us to find out who God is. Who is God and who isn't God? Because things get blurry at times. We have to draw a clear line in the sand because if we do not, things get blurry. I mean, I think this is how people get stuck in cults, you know? They think, well, they kind of believe sort of what I believe. And then one day you find yourself in an Adidas tracksuit. You've been drinking Kool-Aid. They kind of believe what I believe. I'm not really sure. I mean, it's kind of loosey-goosey there. We must have an understanding of who God is. Or things get weird. Things get tough. Things get hard. When we start handing out these to things that are kind of like God, kind of like the Bible, kind of like Jesus, things get dicey. Because it's, if it's kind of right, it's really wrong, really. We must draw a line to find out who God is and who isn't God. So that's you today. That's you. If you're like, yeah, I don't really know if I believe in God or I don't really know, I wouldn't consider myself a Jesus follower. Your next step is exploring. And we want you to know that we, we encourage and celebrate questions. I, I had a conversation a few years back with a, with a mom who, her teenager, she's like, I just don't know what to do with a teenager. He's questioning if God is real and he's reading these books and he's talking to people about, is God real? I'm so worried about him. You shouldn't be worried about him at all. Asking these questions, exploring is a great place to be. The place that you don't want to be is indifferent. I don't care. Or the place that you don't want to be is, I really want to find out, but I'm not going to do any of the work. I'm not going to read a book. I'm not going to read the Gospels. I'm not going to read the Bible. I'm not going to talk to anybody. So your next step today could be exploring, asking questions, reading a book, reading the Gospels, talking to someone that you trust. Find out. Find out who Jesus really is. Don't put your crown on his head until you find out who he really is. The second part that I want us to to know today is this. I want us to know that, that we can... Show others who God is. I want us to know today, this this piece from Elijah is for us to show others who God is. In John, we see, um, in, in John 14, we see Jesus says this. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He doesn't say I'm one of the ways. I'm one of the truths. I'm one of the lives. And so as we put that crown on his head, we are saying, I believe that you are the way, Jesus. I believe that you are the truth, and I believe that you are the life, and I believe that no one goes to the Father but through you. And out of that, the second part is true. For us to show others who God is. Elijah didn't keep it to himself. He could have said, you know what? Believe what you want to believe. Believe in Baal, that's fine. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay here with my ravens and the drought, and I'm just going to believe in God, and that's fine. He wanted others to know the truth. He wanted others to know that the Lord, his God, is the God. If you've placed this crown on the head of Jesus, then don't you want others to know? Aren't you excited about what's happening in your life? So excited that you would share that with others? There were two altars built. One showed that Baal was not who he said he was. One showed that Baal was not who those people thought he was. One showed that that Baal was not God. He had no power. The other proved that God was the God that Elijah had talked about. He was the God of Israel. Two altars, both built with stones. Both built with stones. One proved that God was God, and the other proved that God was God. So today, I want you to take that stone home. Don't throw it at anybody. <laughs> take it home. Throw it in your mulch. Throw it in your, like, uh, like your walkway. Put it somewhere. I don't want to just, I know, like, I'm always trying to get rid of stuff in my house. I'm like, can we take this to Goodwill? I don't know. I'm sorry to give you more stuff. But take this stone and place it somewhere that you're going to see it. And when you see it, let it be a reminder of who God is. Let it be a reminder of where you've placed your crown. Let it be a reminder of where you've placed your attention and affection and where you've placed your time and your finances and your thoughts. Let it be a reminder of God's love for you every time you see it. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.